Hello, Bears fans, and welcome to another edition of Bears on Tap. I am Ron Luce. I am joined by the one, the only, the great Mr. Quentin Crisco. Quentin, my friend, how are you doing? I am more excited for Chicago Bears football than I have been since week one. So week one was so deflating, and now it's who knew it would take till week 18 to get back here, but I am I am pumped. I am ready. I am I am excited for Bears Packers this week. I am to my friend. It's gonna be a hell of a game, and there's a lot to talk about, and we will certainly get to that here in the show. We got a loaded show for everybody that is joining us here on Wednesday, uh running the day later than we normally do the the new year and the holiday. Let's be honest. I think that screwed everybody up, including us here at Bears on Tap. But Q, um, as a result of week 17, and we can't just dive right into week 18 right away because a lot of big things happened right the bears won against the atlanta falcons uh the game was awesome by the way i was lucky enough to to get to attend the snow was awesome that was well worth the vibe of freezing your ass off out at soldier field i'll tell you right now it was fantastic but the bears get eliminated officially from the playoffs because the green bay packers and minnesota vikings did not tie on sunday night football after the rams obviously won and that made things more complicated for the bears but then the Panthers lost and secured the number one pick for the Chicago Bears. So it is official. Chicago is on the clock in April at the NFL draft. Number one pick, baby. Two I, years I in a row. I haven't Crazy. changed my Twitter profile picture all season because it's, it's me holding up one finger. And I was like, ever since it became possible, I was like, I'm not changing this. It might happen again. <laughs> <laughs> Just ride the vibe. And it, it, hey, yeah. it worked out, man. I mean, this is big because because now, Q, right, with the Bears getting the number one pick, it creates so many different what-ifs of where does this team go? What do they do with the pick? What what should they do with the pick, right? Of course, everybody that has a, an X account or an Instagram or a Facebook or whatever social media platform is chiming in with their opinion here. But, Q, before we dive into, like, the whole debate aspect of the number one pick, I mean, just how instrumentable is this for Ryan Poles, for the future of the Chicago Bears, to, dare I say, almost luck into the number one pick yet again for a second straight season. It's huge. I mean, it's it's giant. You don't, like right now, the Bears are, I dare I say, nowhere close to number one pick quality roster. But getting the benefit of that, like you don't see this happen that often where a team with this type of roster quality gets that type of asset in their hands. Just, and I think luck is the perfect word. You don't, you don't make that trade last year with the, even the thought, I mean, maybe a tiny thought that you might be able to get number one. Realistically, you're hoping a top 10, as long as that pick is in top 10, maybe we can get top five if we're lucky, but number one, that is a whole nother level. Like, I mean, and I was skeptical of the Panthers coming into this year. I didn't think they'd be number one pick bad. I don't know if many people did think like realistically think that they would be that rough just with the experience and that coaching staff. Like mm-hmm. you look at how much has gone wrong for that organization. There's a lot of luck involved in getting number one. You need to be truly dysfunctional. And uh, thank you to the Panthers owner for creating that dysfunction. Yeah. David Tepper did an absolutely great job of creating said dysfunction. And we watched it go down all season long, right? I think every Chicago bears fan this year had an eyeball, uh, not only on bears football, but on Carolina Panthers football because of the nature with the number one pick. Uh, and, and Q, before I get into that here, I do want to show some love to the comment section. And for all those watching along, you can join us, even our ex listeners. We can see your comments. Feel free to join the conversation here and we can pull them up during the show. Just as our boy Skokes is here. He says, dudes, what's up Skokes? How you doing buddy? Uh, and Scott from Iowa chiming in here says in polls, I trust either way he goes, the bears will be better. He still wants Justin to stay and wants the bears to draft Marvin Harrison jr. Um, Q, I, I think that's the crazy thing about this whole thing, right? Watch the Panthers' dysfunction. Bryce Young underperforms all season. David Tepper, I mean, from everything that we've kind of heard, right, in reports, effectively, it feels like sabotaged his own franchise because yeah. he was ultimately the one that said, take Bryce Young. The coaches, the front office wanted C.J. Stroud, and – now look how that played out. C.J. Stroud's having an incredible rookie campaign, and Bryce Young is nothing really more than an afterthought this season just because of how bad the Panthers have been. To your point, Q, 
truly luck and 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 a lot of thankful dysfunction uh to Mr. Tepper. And he he capped it all off by throwing a drink at some Jaguars fan from his suite. Uh, right. And that game. Yeah, you know, just to tap it off, make him even more of an asshole than he already is. Uh, but Q, unfortunately, because of the Bears getting the number one pick, they're eliminated from the playoff. Are are you what was your feeling watching the Bears get eliminated from the playoffs? Was it the same level of what we talked about at the beginning of the season where we were kind of like, yeah, we'd be a little disappointed and, you know, actually a little upset about them missing the playoffs or because of how things have shaken out now is your perspective changed? How things have shaken out has definitely changed the perspective for me. I mean, it, it I was kind of at the point where it's like, oh, we're back in the playoff conversation. That's, that's cool. At least like, so, I mean, I'm, I wasn't really expecting it. I guess two weeks, like losing the Browns game, that's what what burst my bubble with the playoffs. Yeah. And that's what burst my bubble with a lot of things of like we needed to see. I felt like I needed to see more in that Browns game than we ended up seeing to really get excited about. It. And that was kind of if they beat the Browns, that's where I would have gotten really excited. 100%. And they almost did, but almost isn't enough. And they they were as far as I was concerned, that meant they were out of the playoffs. I mean, I think it was some crazy scenario to get in from there. And I mean, at that point I was questioning whether it was kind of worth getting it. Like if you couldn't beat the Browns, like what are we doing here kind of mm-hmm. thing? Like we're getting a moral victory out of this, but I was still questioning whether the right decisions would be made because you made the playoffs kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, and, and that's completely fair because I think I definitely think and again, I'll, I'll sit here and be completely straightforward. Q, I think you'll probably agree with me on this. None of us know what polls is going to do. I mean, he's got a hell of a decision at hand here with regard to the field general and the quarterback position, the, the leader at, at head coach. Obviously, that kind of trickles down to the entire coaching staff. Obviously, we know offensive coordinator. If Eberflus is to stick around, is probably something that changes. It's probably not Luke Getzey a year from now. So there's a lot of what ifs still here as, as things kind of move and, and break down. But to your point, if they make the playoffs, it almost feels like that secures Eberflus's for sure. Like he's back next year, yeah. right? It's no longer a well, we'll see, right? Because they're. There was the report, and I know a lot of people kind of got all upended about it and whatever, that the report was is the expectation is that Iberfus keeps his job after this season. That came out a, a little late last week. And the kind of hidden context to that was if they finish the season out well, right? Yeah. So that still means they got to go out. They had to take care of business against Falcons, what they did, right? 20-point win, that's really cool. 37-17, we love that. They need to now go out. You need to walk into Lambeau Field and you need to get take care of business against the Packers and effectively potentially knock them out of the playoffs is effectively, I think, what the expectation is if Eberflus is to keep his job. If they walk in there on Sunday and they get their shit kicked, there's no chance that he sticks around, in my humble opinion. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a game that matters a lot for Eberflus. And, I mean, I think it's – it's easy to to go with the 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 sway and the movement of everything, but to uh, of like you know stuff started going really well. So like maybe if they lose, maybe he would still be back. But I think it would take a like it needs to be kind of ugly. I think for him to be gone, but it has the potential to be. So like they need to show up and be in that game every second of it. They they can't be making it close in garbage time. If Eberflus wants to be back, it needs to be a, we are in every second of this game and hopefully win because that, I think that is what's going to really, we've seen, we've seen how the McCaskies operate. We know this story. Mm-hmm. We know how much this game matters. Oh, like yeah. it's not this if for, for fields and for Eberflus. I think both of them, it, you come out of this game with a loss you're looking at a head coach who hasn't beat Green Bay in four tries and a quarterback who hasn't beat Green Bay in, what, six tries now? Mm-hmm. Five, six tries? And that's, at the end of the day, that's what that's what George and the whole the whole board 
cares about is beating Green Bay first and foremost. That's that's the way to the division. That's the way of success historically, and that is what matters in their family. Yeah, and 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 to your point, right? Even even the McCaskies taking their pride and pushing it to the side here. Historically, right? Just history speaks. More years than not, the NFC North has run through the Packers. Yes, of course, there's been the years where Minnesota's had a great team and they they've won the division. Sure. There's this year, right, where the Detroit Lions, for the first time in the NFC North era, I don't know if people really fully understand that because I don't think we really talked about it a whole lot when they wrapped it up. But, like, the last time the Detroit Lions won the uh, division in football, it was still the old NFC Central. Like, the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were still a part of the Bears division. The last time. 1993 was the last time the Lions won. So now... When the alignment re- occurred in 2002 with the addition of the Houston Texans and the South-North split occurred with the Central, it's it's really since then it's been the Packers, right? I mean, the end of the Brett Favre years, the entire you know existence of the Aaron Rodgers era, and even a little bit of this year, right? Like, yeah, obviously the Lions clinched the division, but Green Bay's sitting in a playoff spot still like they're still one of the better teams in the division. So um, I completely agree with you there Q and just how this, this front office operates, but because of that in mind Q, I I think really quick, I I do want to share just a few short thoughts here before we get into the real meat potatoes, right? This is what everybody wants to talk about. And that is the debate about number one, the direction of the future, all that good shit. And of course we're going to get into it here and uh, we'll, we'll take that into our conversation about what's on the line for green Bay here. But I just want to say being at Soldier Field on Sunday was like bucket list material. It really was because that morning, uh, my girlfriend and I were up on the north side staying at our place in the city. We, you know, I went out and got coffee and like it had just started to snow. Mind you, it was at like 745 in the morning. And and every part of my being is a Chicago Bears fan who had never experienced. I've never experienced a snow game in, in person before. I was like, oh. Just give us enough to make it cool. And Mother Nature delivered, man. We we tailgated in the snow. Enough was accumulating where you could pack little snowballs and throw them at people. I mean, it, it was electric. And then, I mean, you everybody saw it, right? I know Robert Schmitz, friend of ours here, commenting about it throughout his All-22 watching of just, oh, it's the snow tape is incredible. Like, this is going to be so yeah. fun to watch. And it was. Sitting there and just having the snow hit your face, watching, you know, hearing the the, the crunching of the pads at the line of scrimmage, Listen, watching DJ Moore toe tap. That, and we were sitting right in that end zone when he scores to start the game. I mean, it was absolutely electric. So, like, my – the whole spiel here to be said, if you have the opportunity in your lifetime to go to a late-season Bears game and the forecast calls for snow, do it. Don't ask. Don't bitch. Dress warm and just do it because you will not regret it. That was like probably top two of my favorite Bears games of all time that I've ever been at. And and maybe the only other one I can think of that might top that was the eight-sack performance against Jake DeLome and the Carolina Panthers in 2005. Like it's it's been a hot minute, but that was a really, really cool game on Sunday. So uh, to be there, to get to see them win, obviously kind of the, the aura and excitement around uh, Soldier Field with the number one pick. Obviously, the disappointment with kind of knowing that it was virtually impossible effectively for the Bears to make the playoffs at that point uh, because of what the Rams did and took care of business uh, against the Giants, even though they were oh so close to giving the Bears hope. Um, but nonetheless, man, it was absolutely incredible. Uh, it was really, really cool. Got super, super pumped to, to have been able to be there and just take it all in because it was incredible. But Q, comment section has thoughts. And I know we certainly do too about the direction of the future. Skokes says here, he says, damn, I'm convinced and I'm in on Caleb. He also adds, I'm out on Getsy and Fluce. Uh, and Fluce hasn't convinced me he's a good head coach, but sure can run a defense. And for those that are listeners of ours, and you maybe go, well, who's Skokes, right? He's always in our comment section. Go back to the summertime, listen to our series uh, with all of our different guests. Skokes was one of our guests, and it was an absolutely great episode. And uh, a, a loyal friend of the program, we appreciate him. And the other loyal friend here, Mr. Scott from Iowa, says, Eber Fluce is back no matter what. He says, Getsy has put together a solid game to save his job. And the offense has been clicking more recently. So that is something that I thought about too. Now, granted, inferior competition probably compared to some teams that you would like to see them play better against. But nonetheless, that, that creates the debate, right, Q? I, everybody, you see it all over Bears social media. You see it in the national media. 
everybody is on one side of the fence or the other. It's hit full reset, new quarterback, new coach, or let Flus hang around, get that new OC, and run it back one more time with JF1. Because then, right, it opens the opportunity. You can flip the number one pick into a king's a true king's ransom, right? We thought the Bears got a king's ransom for the Panthers pick last year. Every every analyst, expert, whatever the hell you want to call them, is saying the Bears could get probably tenfold of that in because of this year's draft, because of the likes of Drake May and Caleb Williams being at the top of this draft. Q, we still got one week of football. So I know this isn't a definitive for certain answer, but where are you leaning right now through 17 weeks of the NFL season? Man, there is so much baked into that question. Like, you know, you, you look at it and you say, well, who's the head coach? Who's the mm-hmm. play caller? Who, sure. Who's going to be working with this quarterback if there's a new quarterback here? I, I think those all matter a lot. Like if personally, I think Getsy's probably gone no matter what, the only way I think he's back is with Fields sticking around. Um, if, you know, there's been some breakthrough for them and Fields is like, yeah, I want Getsy here and they want to stick with Fields, then I think that's the only way you see Getsy staying. But, you know, you get a new head coach, Ben Johnson, what quarterback does he prefer? You know, if you're getting a new head coach, I don't think you're convincing the, the brightest and best to come here with Justin Fields handcuffed to them you're getting the best and brightest when you're saying and we're giving you your pick of quarterback Mm -hmm. and you know maybe they will say fields i tend to think that it will depend on their scheme their concepts what they want to do like i would think that ben johnson is probably more of a caleb williams kind of guy well i think like a uh bobby slowick down with the texans Mm. probably more of a drake may kind of guy um so I think there's a lot at question there. Flues is back. Who's coming in as OC? That's another big question. If it's Frank Reich, I think Drake May. They're going to go get Drake May, Frank Reich. I mean, that that fits what he wants to do. He fits the, the scheme that he wants. He wants a, a pocket passer, good height, great arm for a downfield passing attack. Like that, Frank Reich is going to go get that, which is Drake May. Um, but... If Justin Fields is your quarterback, I think you're talking about for OC. I mean, I don't even know. Maybe I mean, maybe it still would be a Reich. Maybe it would be a uh, Eric Bieniemy or something along those lines. But there's sure. there's a lot at question there. Before I think you can even make that decision of what you're doing at quarterback, the coaches have a lot of say in roster. They just oh, yeah. do, and Absolutely. what they want to run is going to factor into everything. So that's what makes the question difficult to answer. But from a pure just, I watch quarterback, my opinion on it, man, Justin's made it hard last week. He showed a lot of improvement that he has not even, he showed things on tape last week that we haven't seen since his rookie year, which is just, man, he just made it hard. He just made it hard. And this week is going to factor in just as much because here, here's my thing. I am a firm believer that when someone shows you who they are, believe them, right? Mm. In any aspect, any way. Sure. Like usually that's talked about from a personality standpoint, but right. from a production standpoint in football, I believe it to be true as well. After three years, I think we've mostly seen who Justin Fields is. Mm-hmm. There might be improvement, minor improvements throughout the way and growth, but I'm not sold that it's going to be large wholesale improvements as a passer, as a drop back passer. And that's where I pause with it all. And you, it is scary to try to trust the outliers as the standard there for me. Yeah, no. So, and I, I, I think that's that's completely fair, too. And it is tough, right? Because I, I agree with you. I, I think the tape from Fields this past week has – that was that was the game where it was like, whoa, this was the Justin Fields that, like, we all thought about and remembered and talked about and were like, what he can be. 
as a talent potentially in the NFL, right? You saw it in the, his ability to escape the pocket when things broke down. You saw it in his ability to make plays on the fly. You saw him rip. I mean, that that DJ Moore touchdown in the back corner of the end zone was an absolute beauty of a throw, and he made a couple of those throughout the nope. game. Know what I liked more than that? Hmm. I liked the Tyler Scott drop in the end zone more because that was middle of the field. He attacked up the seam, right up the hashes. Yeah. And that is not something we have seen in a long time from him. He hit multiple passes in the middle of the field throughout the game, multiple passes with anticipation. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just lowercase a anticipation. There was reg- like some solid anticipatory throws, which again is something we have not really seen from him so it's he made it interesting yeah he really did i the last game that i can truly say that we saw those see up the seam throws from him was that pittsburgh game in his rookie year that was the last game i think that bears fans can confidently sit back and be like oh yeah i remember when he was slinging him up the the hash marks like he was looked great when he was doing that yeah well he he did it again on sunday and definitely is going to make the decision hard because q i know personally i sit here right and i look at this and i'm like i would not want to be ryan poles right now i mean he's in a great position because he has all of these different avenues and options right like this is this is the one time where you can really say, like, Ryan Poles, the world is your oyster, my guy. You can do whatever the absolute hell you want to do at head coach, at quarterback, with your draft picks, whatever. But at the same time, you sit here, and again, I think, Q, personally, if the Bears just had their number 10 pick or whatever, obviously you're probably just, oh, yeah, you just stay yeah. with Justin, you see what you got, you know, whatever. But then you have the number one pick. You have Caleb Williams and Drake May at the top of this draft. But then you also hear the whispers of, like, the value of that pick. That is franchise changing to somebody like Ryan Poles, right? Because he's probably here at least for one more head coach. So let's say even they did run it back for one more year with an Eberflus and, and a Fields at the helm. Maybe all of a sudden, right, they do something great next year and they go for it and, and they've improved in this year's draft because of the capital, whether it's a, a premium veteran, maybe for the number one pick that they get as a part of that package, like they did last year with DJ Moore, or you go out and, and you just have a good draft because now, now we're starting to see the Ryan Poles draft picks pan out a little more. Juan Briskers looked really good this year. Kyler Gordon has looked sensational in the slot. Tyreek Stevenson has been a very pleasant surprise at the cornerback position on defense. Darnell Wright has been really good this year as a rookie in the NFL. There are so many of these, and and your boy, Javon Dexter, right? Feels like week by week, he is continuing to be a force on the interior of that defensive line. And Zach Pickens don't get enough credit. He's been making noise all like the second half of the season consistently. Yeah. So that just goes to show that Ryan Poles given, because remember, we sat on here. I remember doing the show with you and with Bedon and and with Joey two years ago for Ryan Poles' first draft. He had five draft picks going into that draft, right? Like, but it seems like he's just continuing to hit on enough of these guys to truly build a core. So I think that's at least where I sit back and you know, kind of to Scott's point earlier in his comment, right? The in polls we trust. Do we want to give Ryan Poles more swings, right? At drafting homegrown talent and building youth. Or is it, hey, let's just go get this quarterback and still be able to use, right, the number 10 pick to get a really good player and and, and so on and so forth. And to your again, Q, you, you nailed it perfectly, right? It's a hard decision. Like I have racked my brain for more than probably 72 hours now, just being like, I don't legitimately know where the Chicago Bears go from here. Yeah, I mean, I think you sit here and look at it, and if if Justin Fields is the answer, it's easy, right? It's all easy. But where it gets difficult is if he's not the answer. Because if he's not, then trading down, to me, it's really just delaying the inevitable for who very likely will not be as strong of a quarterback prospect as either of these two. Like, I mean, you, 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 we've been hearing it for months. These two are right up there with like the uh, Trevor Lawrence caliber prospect or a Joe Burrow caliber prospect. That's what they're being called. Um, and at that point, if Justin Fields isn't the answer, 
all this pick accumulation, it's just going to come back to, well, we're going to trade up for this guy. So it's just delaying the inevitable in my mind for a pros for a less known quantity, because we don't know what prospects will be there. I mean, maybe it'll be Arch Manning in three years. Maybe <laughs> Arch Manning isn't good at football. We don't really know yet, you know, sure. like it's sure. But what we do have known quantities of is Caleb Williams and Drake may, at least as far as their college status goes. And I, with my own eyes, I, I love Caleb right now. Mm -hmm. I've just started watching Drake may have a lot more to do on him, but I see two very talented quarterbacks and I'm hearing from smart, smart people like Dame Brugler saying these two are just as good as anybody. Nate Tice has Drake may right there with Trevor Lawrence for prospect grades. Like, these guys are high, high-end quarterbacks, and you don't come across them every year. Yeah, yeah, and th- and that's absolutely the 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 draft side of it, right? That Ryan Poles needs to weigh here because I think the one thing at the end of the day, the quickest thing that needs to happen is you need to make a decision on the head coach because Black Monday is is coming up very quickly. It's less than a week away. Obviously, for those of people that are like, wait, what the hell is Black Monday? It's just it's the day that everybody gets fired. That's all it is. Everybody loses their jobs on, on Black Monday. It's the day right after the regular season ends. And because that's what that's when he's gonna get right the the opportunity to go interview the Ben Johnsons of the world and interview, you know, all these top you know, head coaching candidates that are again, going to want to come to Chicago. Let's just be completely honest. The Chicago job is probably the creme, creme de la creme of vacancies that are probably going to potentially occur this year. Right. Because I sit back and I think about it. I go, okay, Tampa's probably make the playoffs. So that's not going to be an open spot. Bowles will keep his job. The, you know, obviously McVay is going to keep his job, obviously all the playoff teams, but the giants, maybe. Salah's coming back with the Jets already, so that's not a job that's there. It really is the Bears. Like, that is the cream job. Most cap space, tons of prospect capital, a young team. It's such a blank canvas for a potential head coach. So, again, that's the first thing that needs to happen. And then, obviously, from there, you can shake out quarterbacks and stuff, right? Because we've at least think the right. last April until that needs to be all figured out. Uh, Q, quickly, a couple of comments here before we continue on with our originally scheduled programming. Scott here says, uh, if Oakland calls and offers any draft pick combination, and once they say Max Crosby, the Bears should say yes. That would be a hell of a defensive line with Crosby and and Montez Sweat, if that was potentially to happen. Yeah. Scott followed up and said, if Getze is gone, he said he could be convinced in giving T. Martin an OC opportunity. He is the Ravens QB coach. And yeah, Ravens obviously huge year under Todd Monken as their first year OC, um, hailed from University of Georgia. And I mean, Lamar has put together a, you know, you know, a really, really strong season. Looks like the Lamar Jackson of old. And again, that's why the Ravens are so good this year. And Skokes, a, a little bit after that, says, totally with you, Q, on just everything going through your brain in terms of what goes into the decision. But Q, in order for them to get to a decision, there's a lot on the line in Green Bay on Sunday. And it's time to start weaving our way into that. Not even just into the preview aspect of it, of the score predictions and all the fun stuff we do. This is just, this is more to break down than your traditional game preview right because Packers can make the playoffs they win they're effectively in they have like a 99% chance they would need some really weird shit to happen to not make the playoffs but if the Bears beat them they only have a 15% chance of making the playoffs and then all of a sudden shit gets really weird and it's going to make for a hell of a Sunday I don't know if anybody's looked at the schedule yourself included Q for Sunday there's only like four, of, I think it's five or six games in the noon slot. There's two games on Saturday, six games in the noon slot. There's seven games in that 325 slot. And they all have playoff implications. It's going to be electric. I mean, it is going to be a crazy afternoon of NFL football. Q, what is going through your head right now going into this Green Bay week? Like, what, what stands out the most? Is there a certain storyline that you say, this is – what I'm hyper-focused on, or are you just as overwhelmed potentially as I am thinking about this game on Sunday of all the moving pieces that come into play here? Because this is such a crazy game that could be at, on hand for 
the best rivalry, arguably, in sports. It's a playoff atmosphere for both sides. I mean, you look at Green Bay. Matt LaFleur lost last year on a winning end game. Sure did. You can't do that two years in a row and expect to not be on a hot seat. You just can't. So for him, this is a big, big spot. It's a must-win spot, not just to make the playoffs, but for his own job security. Mm-hmm. Now, you flip that over to the Chicago side, Matt Eberflus is, I mean, I think most likely back, but there's only one way to solidify it, and that's beating the Packers. Justin Fields, like I said, we saw last week, might be an outlier game. It was great. Shows it twice in a row. It starts to get really difficult Mm -hmm. to say, we don't believe in this kid. So you got Justin Fields playing for his job. You got Matt Eberflus coaching for his job. You got Matt LaFleur coaching to stay off the hot seat. I mean, there's a lot at play here to make this just such an important game. And from the Eberflus perspective, you got the defensive players loving this guy. They're they're, going to play their hearts out for him. You know, it's, there is a ton at play here that is just going to make this such an exciting game to watch. So many things hinge on this game that I, I I can't wait for it. I can't wait to see how Justin plays. I can't wait uh, how Justin plays against a team and a defense that has kind of had his number, even though they haven't been that good. Their defense has not been that good the last few years, but they've been solid against him. Big spot. Big spot indeed. Uh, and, and I'm right there with you, Q, because I, I think the first thing, obviously, I think that comes to anybody's head is, right, Justin Fields goes out and the Bears put up 35 points again and walk out with a victory. There's there's a lot to be said, right, about what the future of Justin Fields in Chicago looks like at that point. Because we heard, I, I don't know, uh, you could hear him on the broadcast. We heard him loud and clear in the south end zone. We want Justin. We want Fields rang throughout Soldier Field during that Atlanta game on Sunday. But to your point, right, it feels like of the quarterbacks and the coaches that are involved in this game, the only one that has nothing to lose is Jordan Love because he has had a really good season, 3,800 yards, 30 touchdowns. Unfortunately, it looks like the Packers fucking did it again and have, like, a guy that at least can help them win ball games. You know, I actually have hope that Jordan Love is in the perfect spot of good enough that we're going to keep him, but not good enough to ever actually do anything in the playoffs. I respect that. That would be nice. I would uh, purgatory for the, the, the Green Bay Packers would be beautiful. Like if he can be like Jay Cutler good, that would be awesome. That would be sensational. Uh, Scott says, speaking of love that he's going to throw three picks on Sunday. He says, hashtag book it. But I mean, that's another thing to consider too, right? Like uh, that to me is the biggest thing that the first thing I think of with this game. Yes, Matt LaFleur could be on the on the hot seat because of this game. Obviously, Eberflus. When it comes to Eberflus, right? I think about that clip that went viral after that Christmas Eve game. Him dapping everybody up. What's up, B12? What's up, everybody? Nicknames for everybody. They all love him. They're all receptive to him. He clearly has that locker room in a good spot. Like e- the Eberflus culture is a real thing. There's no denying that. They love the guy. They like playing for him. Like you said, the defense is going to absolutely play their hearts out for him on Sunday. But at the end of the day, I also sit here and just go, these are two completely different ball ball clubs from week one. Both of them, truthfully, right? Green Bay, Jordan Love took a lot of steps forward. Yes, he diced the Bears in week one, but he went through a hell of a rough patch weeks two through six, seven, And and then really started to show some ascent. Honestly, he didn't dice the Bears. Matt LaFleur did. Like, you go look at that tape. That is the definition of a of a coach getting his quarterback through the game. Like, they pulled out trick plays that, you know, mm-hmm. everything in the book to make Jordan Love's stats look good yep. was pulled out in that game. Yeah. And it didn't hurt either that you had Aaron Jones arguably play his best game of the season in that first game too, right? When you can rely on a run game and and Aaron Jones to catch passes out of the backfield on easy throws for Jordan Love, that certainly makes his job easier too. But you have that at hand. But then you look at the Bears. To me, there was more evolution of the Bears as a franchise over the course of this season. And and it's going to sound weird, Q, but 
I think from a, a standpoint of here at Ontario Sportsnet doing Bears coverage, watching this team since our upstart in, in 2019, this is maybe my favorite season to have watched of the Bears. And I think it's because we saw growth. Like this was the first real season. I feel like we saw something for the future. And it, yeah, it's guys that aren't the quarterback always necessarily, but seeing the defense grow, the Montez sweat edition and how that completely just changed how this defense played football. He came and all of a sudden they went from one of the worst NFL defenses to one of the best in a very quick time span. Bears lead the league in interceptions yeah. and they've done majority of that damage since like week nine. It's unreal the difference that this team has. And that's something that I think about in the case of right Matt LaFleur on Sunday and Jordan Love on Sunday. I don't think Scott from Iowa's take here is that crazy. No, the Bears I mean, have had three interceptions in a game multiple times in the last yeah. handful of weeks. So who's to say they can't do it again? I'm right there with you, Q. Like it, it really does feel like this game, just because of the evolution and everything at hand, every snap is going to have that playoff atmosphere. Like no matter if you're watching it alone or with your family or with friends, or maybe you're out in public at a, an establishment and watching it with a, a bunch of people, Every down is going to be big eruptions of either cheers or jeers throughout the whole course of this game in, on Sunday. And I, I am over the moon excited about it right there with you, Q, because this it it's kind of fun, despite the Bears not having anything to play for in the sense of the playoff picture, to have everything to play for in the sense of the future of this franchise. Yeah. That and exciting. I mean, to me, the the exciting thing with that, too, is on paper, this game's going to come down to the quarterbacks on both sides. Since getting sweat, the Bears are a top three run defense in the NFL. That's what Matt LaFleur's offense does. They run the football and open up opportunities in the passing game off of it because they run the ball so well. You take away the run at, run portion of that, it starts to become a lot harder to pass the football. So. Their points are going to, on paper, fall on Jordan Love's shoulders. Mm -hmm. You flip to the other side of the football for the Bears offense, Green Bay's defense, they're okay against the run, like 20th, somewhere around there. So, like, not not terrible, not good, not not just slightly below average. average. Yeah. And the Bears are pretty good at running the football, so maybe they'll, like, they'll probably try to lean into that. But I just... It seems like historically, I've said this before, like Bears will, Bears will be able to run the football. Green Bay's not good at stopping the run, and Green Bay always finds ways to stop the run against the Bears. It seems like that is never the way that it goes down. So that brings me to the drop back game. Green Bay's defense, 27th in drop back success rate allowed Wolf. and 22nd in drop back EPA allowed. Wolf. But the Bears offense is 26th and 24th in those categories. Wolf so wolf. <laughs> the difference in this game to me is going to be Justin Fields and Jordan Love. Justin Fields needs to be better than that 26th, 24th against a defense that he should be able to do that against because mm -hmm. everybody else has been doing it against him. Tommy DeVito did it against him. It's true. So you should be able to go into into Lambo and get yards, get points through the air, and really, that's that's going to mean the game. How Jordan Love's able to do that against the Bears because the run game will hopefully be gummed up, and how Justin Fields does it against the Packers defense because everyone's dying against the Packers defense. Yeah, and and Scott from Iowa brings up an interesting point here as well: the offensive lines, right? Yeah. If I remember correctly, the Packers' O-line's a little banged up. I might be wrong on that note. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I follow the Green Bay Packers at all. But the Bears' offensive line, very different, right? Braxton Jones started that game, but soon after was hurt. He's healthy. Tevin yeah, I Jenkins. that was his best game of the year, I think. I, I had graded at least. Um, Tevin was gone. Right. Sure. No Tevin Jenkins. Lucas Patrick has, you know, at least been serviceable over the course of the season. Nate Davis will play in this game and, and he looks like himself again. And Darnell Wright is, is not a fresh rookie on, on game one anymore, right? Like 
that's another aspect I think that needs to be considered too is the just the trenches on both sides of the balls, right? And how much that how much that's going to have to play a factor in this game on Sunday too. Yeah, I mean, so Braxton Jones, I believe his biggest weakness, which is really just taking on power, because he pretty he much rush really easy. Braxton Jones' strategy to stopping a pass rush is just. I have 35 long in inch ar- 35 inch long arms and I can just keep you off me. Sure, get your hands in my chest, whatever, I'll get you off. But that does lead to him falling into the quarterback's lap at times. And Preston Smith is really good at getting into that chest and just bull rushing. So mm-hmm. that's that's a tough spot there. Um Tevin Jenkins, Tevin is the motor of this offensive line. When he is not on the field, they do not play with the same tenacity. They just don't. And like this past game, I swear, I swear the coaching staff went to the Bears O-line and challenged them before this last game. Because in the game against Arizona, I thought they looked a little lackadaisical at times. I agree. Not against the Falcons. Mm-mm. They were trying to bring the punishment to Atlanta's defensive line. They were punching first. They were making them feel every block. And that they had to be challenged. That doesn't just happen. That doesn't just change. So you, I think that that's the Tevin Jenkins effect too. Him being back out there, there's just a nasty to this group when he's out there. Like you see, Braxton can be nasty. But it's usually when Tevin's next to him that he's nasty. Like, mm-hmm. Darnell's always nasty. He has hit a bit of a rookie wall here. Like, he's not – he doesn't – I feel like he's fatigued, basically. Yeah. You know, you go from playing a 10-game college season to an 18-game NFL season, there's going to be impacts. 100%. But he still brings the nasty. He still brings the finishing mentality. Nate Davis, we need more. We need more from Nate Davis. I was, I've been standing up for him a lot of this year saying that, you know, he's pretty consistent. He's a professional. He does his job just consistently well enough that you're happy with it. Not the last two weeks. It, we need more. I think the snow messed with him last week. It messed with his footing. And then he was trying to, it just basically went into quicksand mm. at some point with that. But he, He's the highest paid offensive lineman on this team. He need we need more from him this week. Last week of the season, huge game, a lot of implications. Nate Davis can't be a problem for being the highest paid player on the offensive line. And as long as Nate Davis and Tevin Jenkins are playing, as long as Nate Davis is playing well and Tevin Jenkins is on the field, I'm really not worried about Lucas Patrick. When those two are going good, Patrick looks fine. Yeah. When one of those two isn't there or isn't playing well that's when you really start to notice Lucas Patrick. It's when he, when he suffers a little bit in that center spot, for sure. Q, I got a, a fun follow-up question. This one's totally off the script here for us. Um, are you extending Tevin Jenkins? Yes. I mean, the contract needs to be right because of his injury history. And, sure. I mean, even this year, I mean, what, he missed six games, seven games? Like, it's not mm-hmm. – it's not a no-brainer that you go give him a massive contract because of that injury history, mm-hmm. but I am with unless his demands are ludicrous, I'm making something work. He is, like I said, he's the motor of this of this group. He is so good, and he is just man. He is so good. It's all, is. like it is so fun to watch. He just bullies three hundred pound men like it's nothing. Mm-hmm. It is. It is incredible, and he's so athletic. He's so strong, and he's so angry, and I love it. I just love it. And Ryan Ryan Poles nailed it because the Ryan Pace regime was hell-bent that Tevin Jenkins was going to be a tackle, and he was going to be this incredible tackle that they steal at the top of the second round in that 2021 draft, and everybody's going to be super happy. No, Ryan Poles knows. He's a former big boy himself. He looked at Tevin Jenkins and goes, your nastiness is going to be really fun inside at guard. And that's yeah. exactly what it's become. That's the position. That is truly the position, right? Like if I had to categorize and stereotype every offensive lineman, your left tackle is your ballerina, 
He's got the best feet typically on the line. He's got the best footwork. He's got the longest arms. He's just, he's got to be a, a stable workhorse on that left side. Right tackle, it's evolving a little more, right? But you, you could be a little bit less athletic. You could be a little, a little eh, one thing or another. But as long as you got some grit and some tenacity to you and got good feet, you're going to be fine at right tackle in the NFL. Center, you're 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 the the you're the cerebral part of the offensive line, right? You're calling protections, you're you're calling out run stacks, you're doing all that. That's your job. You are the 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 leader on the offensive line. The guards' jobs, just go be a big pain in the ass and be nasty. That's your job. That's your job as an offensive yeah. guard. And anybody that has played the position even at a lower level as a kid, who always got to trap everybody? It's the guard. Because the guard is the dude that should come in. Quentin Nelson, nastiest dude on the field at any given time. Zach Martin, that's a nasty dude too. Tevin Jenkins right up there, man. That was a hell of a move by Ryan Poles to say, Tevin, you are best suited to play guard in the NFL, and you're going to be a really damn good one when you do. Nothing short of it as long as he can stay on the field, man. He's been, uh, like you said, just a, he's a treat to watch. He really is because yeah. he is the definition of a bully on the inside of that offense. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. I love it too. Uh as a offensive line nerd myself, I I enjoy watching Tevin Jenkins. He he makes me excited to watch Bears football, especially on the offensive line because I remember years where like watching that offensive line was painful. So he's he's a treat to watch on the inside. I mean, since since the 06 team, have they really had that good an offensive line any given year? They've had good offensive line men, but I don't think they've yeah. ever had a great unit as a whole. I agree. Yes. Ever yeah. since that 06, which that 06 unit, real quick to sidetrack yeah, for a hot second. That team was dirty. That that offensive line was so good. Like, I know nobody knew who like Fred Miller and John Tate and Reuben Brown and you know all those guys were. Everybody knew Olin Krutz, right? Garza stuck around long yeah, enough that people knew Robbie who he was. Garza. But yo, that O line was so good. That's why Rex Grossman yeah. looked good that season because that offensive line was dirty. And they could do whatever they wanted, and that's why they I mean, ran. Think about the the year before when the offense was you know rookie Kyle Orton and Thomas Jones. Thomas Jones averaged yeah. like four point two yards a carry that year. Won eleven he, games that year. Everyone knew it was coming. <laughs> yeah, and it didn't matter. It didn't matter because they were absolutely able to get the job done. Yeah, man, those. Those are some good offensive lines. I, I, I would love the Bears to even get back there. Really quick on Tevin Jenkins. He still has another year under contract. He's due to make about $2.8 million next year. Would be a free agent then after next season. So uh, that's where the, the extension thought came in. Probably I mean, more of a next season discussion, next summer discussion, but uh, an interesting question. If, if he did this for 17 games, he'd be all pro this year. I, I, there's not a doubt in my mind he's playing all pro level football. One thousand percent. Oh my gosh, yes, absolutely. Agreed with you, Q. Well put, well put indeed, sir. Let's move on from the offensive line talk here. We'll circle this back thing in for the completion of the show here, Q. Let's get to our normal preview stuff here, right? Our fun stuff. You've said it already. It's going to come down to the quarterback play for the Bears to win this game. What other keys do you have for the Bears in order to be successful on Sunday against Green Bay? Um, DJ Moore. Yeah, I mean. There is not a coincidence why when the Bears offense is going best, DJ Moore is north of 10 targets. It's he is your best player on offense and he needs to see the football. Um, while I do worry a little bit about trying to assess fields while force feeding DJ Moore that many targets, I think that's your way to win. It just it has been all year when DJ Moore gets those targets, the offense rolls. So get the man his targets. Um, and then beyond that, I mean, we, we saw some burst from, from Herbert again. Juice Herbert's burst is back. He's back to looking like a pinball out there, just like bouncing around. Um, getting the run game going in some fashion with that, which hasn't really been an issue for the Bears all year, but I expect that you're going to need it this game. You're going to need to be able to get tough yards when you need them and um, be building the passing game off the running attack. I think that's something that's going to be important. And then I think the book on love has been the same since week one, since before week one, what we said you had to do to beat the Packers in week one, you got to get after Jordan love. 
you need to make him feel the pressure. He is Jordan Love is more than capable and plenty good when playing within the system on time when things go the way they're supposed to go. When things break down, that's where his mistakes really get loud. Mm-hmm. And that's where you need things breaking down for him. You need him in a in a dirty pocket. You need Tyreek Stevenson jamming the wide receiver out of bounds so that he's not getting into his route and in his spot on time. So Jordan Love can't hit that timing throw where he's supposed to. Love is, Love is really good at following the rules. You need to make a world where there are no rules. I like that analogy. I like that analogy a lot, Q. Yeah, and just just to add to, to a couple of the pieces that you had to, to throw in there, uh, DJ Moore, perfect example, right? Nine catches in the win over Atlanta, had 13 targets, like you said, that north of 10 number. Uh, when the offense hums, DJ Moore hums. And there's just something so poetic about hearing some some classic Lil Wayne go DJ at Soldier Field every time he touches the ball. It it, it makes my heart warm and the – the 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 mid two thousands kid in me is is smiling ear to ear every time I hear that song. Nonetheless, uh, in agreement with you, Q. I, to me, it is the defense it is the only thing I'll add. You said the pass rush. I agree with you wholeheartedly there. Montez Sweat and and Javon Dexter need to just make hell for Jordan Love all day long. Force him to have to throw over the middle off timing. Let T.J. Edwards let. Tyreek Stevenson, let Jalen Johnson, hell, let let the safeties, Bojack and, and Brisker, eat in this game. Force three picks. Let's let Scott's prediction come true. I love when Scott goes out on a limb and just throws out there what he's feeling. This is one I want to see happen really, really bad. I think if Love throws three picks on Sunday, the Bears win this football game. Plain and simple. If the defense can make their presence felt, they're going to have a tough time, stop the run, and then again, obviously, we already addressed it. Justin Fields needs to play like he did against the Atlanta Falcons in Week 17. He does that. It's going to be a hell of a hell of an offseason. That's really let's just say that. Um, if the Bears are able to finish this thing out eight nine and, and win over the Packers for the first time in quite a while, Q score prediction for Sunday: Green Bay Packers twenty, Chicago Bears thirty eight. Cherry on top, Eddie ja- Eddie Jackson pick six to close the game. Oh, that would just make your heart smile, Q, wouldn't it? Just you know how point. I got those numbers? Week one, final score, 38 to 20. Mm, little, re- little revenge, a little revenge yeah. game. I like that. I like that a lot. I am not far off from your prediction. Uh, I am also going to say Green Bay 20, uh, but I do think the Bears managed to put up like 35 in this game is my guess. Um, 38 probably ain't far off. Let's be honest. Cairo's probably going to kick a couple field goals, but um, I'm feeling maybe 34 even because that feels like a, a sweet Cairo Santo number there where he'll get a couple of uh, a couple of field goals and, and continue to make his money after getting that extension this season Q before we shut this thing down sir any final thoughts last show before the end of the regular season final thought it's been a roller coaster of a year man this has been started about as low as you can imagine and just kept going lower for a few weeks somehow and then now we're we're back to to having some optimism to feeling something good about the team. And I mean, it's, I need to, and I've sat on this show talking about how Maddie Refluce needs to be fired, how um, they need to move on from Justin Fields and all this other stuff. But both those guys deserve their flowers. Matt Eberflus has taken this team through a rough, rough year where mired in controversy after week one with the assistant coaching stuff. Another assistant coach gets fired later in the year. I mean, we can sit here and say that's on him. Those were his guys. It's still not easy to navigate. He has navigated this locker room, these players, this team. These are his guys right now. And he deserves credit for how he's managed this whole thing. And Justin Fields deserves credit for how he's managed everything. And I'm, I will never stop rooting for Justin Fields as much as I might say on any show that, you know, I think they might need to move on. I think they need to go after a rookie, whatever it is. I might say I'm always going to be rooting for Justin. 
I love watching him play football and he deserves a ton of credit. It's not easy to navigate what he has this year, all the controversy around him or not even controversy around. That's not the right term, but like all the, um, all the talking heads about Mm -hmm. him constantly. The fact that we've been debating who would be the number one pick for the last 10 weeks, you know, that's, that's not easy. And he has navigated it very well and the city loves him. And I just, I hope the best for the kid. I think he deserves a ton of credit for where he is right now. I hope he goes out and has a great game Sunday. Q, I I don't think I could put that any better myself. I think you nailed it because it was a roller coaster of a year, right? You, you we went from a, such an optimistic summer to a heartbreaker in week one, a devastating first six weeks effectively of the season, and then things started to change. The winds started to shift. Fields gets hurt. Everybody's like, where do we go from here? Bajant manages to go two and two. They pick. They add Montez Sweat. He gets called the worst trade acquisition in all of football by Douche Lombardi on, on Pat McAfee's show, only to turn around and arguably be one of the best defensive players in football through the final nine weeks of the season. Hell, he's going to lead the commanders in sacks, and he hasn't even played for them since the trade deadline. Yeah. Ain't that crazy? Just been a wild year to see this defense go from one of the worst in the NFL to one of the best after that transformation. Iberflus taking over, managing the the responsibility, calling a defense while, you know, bringing in Phil Snow to give him some help behind the scenes. Flowers, as you said, to Matt Iberflus this season for navigating the Bears through all the shit that they've gone through. And then to Justin Fields. I'm right there with you, man. I I got to watch his first college football game in person. Came in in garbage time after Jake Fromm and the boys 30-piece Austin PA in the first half of opening week, Labor Day weekend back in, in 2018. He goes to Ohio State, you know, the big win over, over Clemson in, in the semifinal, you know, plays through broken ribs. The Bears draft him. I still remember my reaction. I woke up my entire house that night, the night he got drafted by the Bears. I'm right there with you, man. JF1's always going to have a special place in my heart, whether he's a Bear or not next season. I don't know where they're going to go. I hope he's still in Chicago. I am a Justin Fields lover. I, I think he can be the guy. I think there's ways that they can make it work. We've seen the flashes. I think he's just he is the definition of a quarterback that needs to play with confidence. And I think he's played with confidence ever since he's come back from that injury and, and taken over since that first Detroit game. But I agree with you, man. No matter where he is, uh the the city of Chicago is gonna love him forever and, and he's gonna be one of those Bears quarterbacks that, you know, the old timers tell their kids about when they're, you know, when they're older about I watched Justin Fields play football, and that dude was pretty special. So, like I said, Q, this has been one of my favorite seasons of the Bears in probably the last six years for a lot of different reasons. Obviously, doing the show with you and Juice and and everything like that, it's been a blast. And we're going to have more to discuss, obviously, on the season end show here. And and we got a big offseason ahead of us with building the board project, uh, which Mm -hmm. is going to be an absolute blast as well. Um, But, yeah, man, it it has been something special. And Sunday is going to be fun. It's going to be the hell of an explanation point, hopefully, on on what was a crazy 2023 Bears season. I hope so, man. Go Bears. Go Bears, baby. Well, before we get out of here, Q, I do want to remind everybody Bears on tap. We are not your only source of Bears news at the On Tap Sports Network. Go ahead and check out our friends over at Bears Nation Pod. They do a great job. They were live uh, a little bit earlier, actually, today. You can go check that out over on our YouTube channel um, and as well as their out uh, their different outlets as well. They're at Bear Nation, Bears Nation Pod on the socials. Uh, be sure to follow us as well at Bears on Tap on the socials. If you're not following at Butka Stats on, on the X app, I don't know what the hell you're doing. I've told you every single show to do it. If you're not doing it yet, be sure to do so. I am at Loose Untap, our other buddy, Mr. Juice Untap, as well. And we will be back with you as a trio, hopefully, uh, next week after the season comes to a close. As always, we got everything here. Bulls, Blackhawks, and both sides of town for baseball are covered here. You can catch all of that over at www.ontapsports.com and at ontapsportsnet on all the socials. Like, subscribe, hit the bell button on the YouTube page as well. And you can join us just as our great commenters here have all show long um, over on YouTube, Facebook, and on X now too. Don't be shy, folks. You guys can comment along too, and we can now see them finally because Elon got that fixed after a long time off. On tapsforcenet.com at on tapsforcenet on the socials. As I said, the on tapsforcenet. We're going to check out what's on tap in 
Chicago sports. Big win against Atlanta on New Year's Eve. The Bears have a chance to start 2024 off right with a W in Lambeau Field. We're excited about it. I am Ron Loose from Mr. Quentin as well. We will see you guys next week. Q, bear down. Bear down.